0: Today on Going Off Track, straight out of the animation world in the comedy realm comes Eugene Merman. We're super psyched to have him here. Uh, you know him from Bob's Burgers, he Delocated, Comedy Discs, uh, his current Wasn't record. is not he
1: on Flight of the Concords?
0: Yeah, he was on Flight of the yeah. Concords. He played the landlord, yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, he's done all kinds of great stuff. He's just a funny, funny dude. I met him a million years ago at Fuse where he had to <laughs> rebut jokes by Republican comedians. that's amazing he kept sitting there going it's hard to rebut jokes I don't know how to do this but he was really really funny and super cool um we're very happy to have him with us today I thought all Republicans were comedians aren't they kinda Mm. it's so annoying there was uh, there's I watched this documentary the other night about all the president's men one of my favorite movies and it was I guess um anniversary so that Robert Redford talking with Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein and they interviewed John Stewart. He went, you know, by today today's standards, Nixon would be kind of a moderate Democrat. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> he would be a little, more. So or maybe mature. even a liberal, depending, because he started the EPA. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like people don't like Richard Nixon did more for the environment than any president. You know,
2: well, it's kind of weird. It pretty fascinating
0: that this um, uh, uh, Rachel Maddow was talking about how every president says that. Each president gets more and more imperialistic and has more executive powers. I'm like, well, we're, I'm going to give some of those back. Like, I don't want them. Like, even Obama said, you know what? I'm going to—you know, Bush took too much power. I'm going to give that back. And as soon as they take office, they're, no. <laughs> it's my power. Bring it to me. I will. The I dark will, side. I will make war with whoever I like and blow up people with robots. Hey, dude, you only get
1: four years,
2: you know, to fucking blow people dude, up. I heard a statistic
1: so. today, and this is pretty crazy. Drone strikes under Bush— it was like 52. Oh, yeah. Obama, it's like 300-something. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, it's true. The technology is so much. They probably had, like, not as many back then. The technology wasn't as good. But... There's
0: more kids playing Gears of War now that they can use to do it and not tell them that people are actually dying. Yeah, that's true. What do you think, it's Jamie Kilstein? It'd be amazing if he just, like, he, he Met- felt this. Materialized. He, felt the dis- he felt the disturbance, like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I love that dude. But yeah, it's very it was very fascinating. Also I realized while watching it how you know some people are like into like certain parts of history and like oh like Civil War, like World War II stuff. I was watching it going, I've seen all the presidents men so many times. I'm a Watergate nerd. <laughs> like that's not even cool to you, anybody. Do, do you go to reenactments? I, I so many Watergate I've broken into so many bathrooms and tried to bug them. And then I have like, Hey, catch me. Oh, you're your security guard. Oh no, thanks. Who wants to go to Bob's Big Boy? <laughs> that's where everybody ends up now i'm from northern virginia where there are tons of civil war reenactments you know who's a big civil war reenactor guy no we all know him eugene merman no <laughs> brian baker oh yeah yeah no way. minor threat bad religion he has like an actual like really yeah like an actual civil war uh, outfit that's scary super into it <laughs> god people are diehard into the civil war uh speaking of civil wars I have no segue for that. Yeah,
1: I guess today, Eugene Merman. It's going
0: on track! So sitting in front of us right now is Mr. Eugene Merman.
3: Hello. Right oh, on. Thank you for coming. Sure, thanks for having me. Of course.
0: It's like, you know, comedian, voiceover artist. Uh, you have your own comedy festival. Yes. Which I loved to death. I remember when that started a few years ago, reading about it, I was like, this is genius. <laughs> Perfect, someone started. Um, but how did you get started in the whole comedy vein?
3: Um, I started, I mean, I, I did stand up for the first time the summer after high school. And then when I went to college, I went to Hampshire college in Western Mass and Amherst where you could design your own majors. So I designed comedy as a major and would do stand up, and then, you know, did a paper on like the physiology of laughter and like all like did a radio show and studied like rise of mass culture and writing and film and all this different stuff and then put it together into a one hour Mm -hmm. stand up act as a thesis. So my final project uh, was a one hour stand up act. And then from there I moved to Boston and just started doing stand up and kept doing it. And then I think as long as you don't have like a anything to fall back on, you'll it'll be fine.
1: That's amazing. I actually <laughs> almost went to Hampshire and I went to orientation there and I remember them being like, This person built a bridge. Like yeah. they there were like three level. there weren't grades. Yeah,
3: yeah. But- it was division one, two and three. So the for division one, like you do like something for social science then and humanities and natural science in these different schools. So for social science I did a paper on Lenny. Bruce and his effect on culture for I think humanities, I did something on like the f- probably philosophy of comedy or something like that, and uh made up a bunch of dumb german terms uh what and then and then for <laughs> science, I did the physiology of laughter and then there's division two, which is like a concentration so for that I you know took a lot of different classes like acting and writing and history but the and sociology and then uh, but then also I did things like I had a weekly radio show, I had a humor column, and so all that stuff went into a concentration. And then for the third level, you do a final project, and that was me running a weekly comedy show and then turning it into a one-hour stand-up act that I promoted and wrote and produced and stuff. Wow, what got so it was you... really great. So I loved it. I yeah. mean, I think Hampshire was amazing for me. I mean, in some people you know, we'll do something amazing or build something great. And then, right. you know, uh, a lot of people also used to drop out. I think it's better now. I think more people stick around. I was
1: worried about, like, transferring if I didn't because there were no grades. And then I was worried I wasn't motivated enough when I was 18. That
3: That's, I think, that probably the, the thing that's hardest. In terms of, like, transferring and all that stuff, I think a huge percentage of Hampshire grads go on to go to, like, grad school and get, like, right, masters right. and PhDs. I think if you actually graduate, you're in a really great position but a lot of people are just like, I, I can't figure this is hard and like not hard. Like it's undoable, just hard, like uh, hard to manage as a 19, 20, 21 year old, like putting things together. But if you do, it's really great. So you graduated. I graduated with a degree in comedy, as anyone could. <laughs> what? Um... Finally putting my Bachelor of Arts to good use. Yeah, man. Like so many others. <laughs> You fools!
0: That. It's true, man. It's so true. I've never used mine. My mom always likes to say, "I have a master's. You, I, I'm a receptionist at a preschool."
3: You you probably use yours. You probably did something vaguely that led to this.
0: <laughs> no, I studied theater. To, I was going to yeah, be a well, director. Podcasting is
3: the is audio theater. It really is. <laughs> so, uh, I'm well, trying.
0: You, you do you do great audio theater. I got um. Let's see. Uh, Lucy, daughter of the devil, is one of my favorite favorite mm-hmm. shows. Um, it's just genius. Um, how did you get from comedy into voiceover work?
3: Well, I used to live in Boston with Brendan Small and we did comedy, uh, every, you know, week at, at the comedy studio, which is on the third floor of the Hong Kong restaurant in Harvard square. And Dr. Katz was a show in Boston at the time. And Lauren Bouchard, who created Lucy, who created Bob's Burgers would come there with often, often when people came to do Dr. Katz, like Louis CK or Ron Lynch or whoever, they'd come and perform at the at the comedy studio and then me and Brendan would be performing there and then from that uh Lauren and Brendan developed home movies and I did that and sort of had known Lauren and so when Lucy uh when Lucy became a show he had you know he he had cast everybody before the show was sort of made and then same with bobs you know so La- mm-hmm. it's sort of Lauren helming these things
0: yeah but the um the way he does it it isn't I want to say traditional because I don't know what that means, but an animation where you're not sitting in a room recording all your parts. Is, you
3: we, we record all together, which yeah. is unusual. I mean, as much as we can. Um, and we're on an ISDN line. So we have headphones um, that, that like we have headphones. We can hear at LA and New York and hear each other. So we're all doing it live together, wow. which is, I think, uncommon, though. I don't know because I haven't done. I mean, I've mostly worked with Lauren on cartoons. <laughs> So even uh, Lucy,
0: Daughter of the Devil was like that, was all yeah,
3: together. Yeah, we were all together in a little studio. Yep. Wow.
0: Radio Play-esque. Because Bob's yeah. Burgers is, I think, the best cartoon on right now. Thank it's you. so damn funny. And uh, I got into it because our friend Holly works on it. Yeah. Um, and she was like, check this out, and watched it, and was like, okay, so I'm immediately hooked to this. You also were on my other favorite cartoon show, Archer, recently. Yes, yes. Uh, you, and, but you weren't, okay. So Archer's season premiere, they did kind of a Bob's Burgers crossover, but you weren't part of that.
3: Right. There was, I don't know what the specific reason was. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that it had to do with their budget or something like that. Not to say that like the kids would have been like, we want $1 million. I think like for whatever reason, (laughs) the way it works is you can have X number of guests roles or something Adam. like that. I, I don't really know. I mean I know Adam and I remember him telling me about it and him saying that like it was gonna be John and uh, John Roberts and, and, and John Benjamin. Obviously, John Benjamin, he's allowed to be in it because he's already in it. <laughs> um, but uh, but he, he had always talked about wanting to put uh, me in it. So yeah, it was really great. It was super fun to do.
0: Yeah, and is, is it is part of the two part season? Yeah, finale? so there'll be
3: I guess the next one this Thursday. So yeah, you... that show is super fun, and it was great to do. Adams also, I went when I was in Atlanta. I did shows and stayed with him, and we went to a gun range that was right near the offices. But that, that's like an art gallery gun range. And uh, D- define. <laughs> it Like near where they make Archer, like, I don't know, like a, f- a few, like a hundred or 500 feet away is a art gallery slash gun range. You pick what picture you want uh, to no, shoot No, there's, I, I mean art gallery only in that there were so many paintings that I was like, this is kind of a gallery. But then you go into this room where you can shoot guns at a target. But, uh... <laughs> Um, we shot several types of guns and then at the end I shot a machine gun.
1: Oh. What was that like? Did it have a lot of kick?
3: It was- did have a fair amount of kick. It <laughs> turns out when you shoot a lot of bullets like that, uh, I, uh, I really, I really shot the shit out of a target. Ooh. Uh, How'd it feel? and... It was it was a very nice time. Uh, there's a video. I think I put the video up of me on. Uh, I think online. If you look, go to whatever my YouTube page, you'll find a video of me shooting a machine gun and giggling. Um, so that was uh, that was. I think now it's really crowded there. I think this. I don't know if when it had opened. Anyway, that was a fun time. And Archer is a fun thing to have done.
1: Wow, that's great. Definitely, I was exposed to you because. You put out, obviously, a record on Sub Pop. Yes. And, you know, they'd put out David Cross, but not a lot Mm -hmm. of comedy stuff at that point. I mean, and I I know you go to a lot of shows and stuff. Are you a big music fan also? I mean, do you feel, how did that kind of relationship come about?
3: That came about from, uh, what was it, um... From me doing Tinkle, this show that Todd Berry, John Benjamin, and David Cross used to do at Pianos, and I did that a lot, and then Robin Taylor, who is currently my agent and books a lot of bands, she used to go to that, and I think at some point she, after like a little, like at some point she asked me if I wanted to open for The Shins at Bowery Ballroom, and I was like, yeah, that sounds great to me, and then I did that, and then she sort of was like, do you have a booking agent? And I was like, no, I, I don't have a booking agent, and so she became my agent, and so through her i sort of got my first deal with suicide squeeze cuz she had sent like my website to uh david who ran that label and then i'd sort of through david cross uh, a different sorry a different david <laughs> um and then through david cross had met the people at sub pop over a period of years and through robin as well and then so that kind of happened very naturally where i think at some point when i was thinking of putting out a second record i had asked sub pop if they wanted to maybe do it
1: because to me like Especially when Patton started doing, like, when they started touring at club shows as opposed to, like, go to this place and pay 30 bucks and you have to buy two overpriced drinks. To me, that made comedy so much more accessible.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. And and I think that there was a lot of that. Like, me and Dimitri Martin and Leo uh, used to do that a lot. I think before, like, when we had just been, like, on, like, each on Conan once or something. And uh, and I used to do that with Stella uh, a long time ago. Open for them, and yeah, the, the, that I mean, it's still sort of what I do, where you know, I I mostly play like seated place, like you know, uh, music venues like Bell House or in Boston, the Paradise, or you Isn't know, there whatever. An oil
0: painting of you at Bell House? Now?
3: there is an oil painting of me at my house. Oh, uh, okay. That Bell House and Union Hall, they commissioned. Uh, they were like, we have a surprise for you, and so I went, and they gave me. Uh, as a thank you this this amazing like real li like real life uh I forget whatever the I forget what the style is called but super hyper realistic looking painting of me as like napoleon or something it was amazing <laughs> it was like the sweetest thing uh, that somebody had done. Do you
1: have it hanging up at your apartment? I have
3: it hanging up in my living room, and it's clearly unusual. Like when people come over, they're like, why is there this thing? But then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, it's some. that's something that people used to do 200 years ago. So I'm I'm just cl- like classic. I'm just like a classic. Uh, Very Renaissance. Yeah, I'm just a guy with a manor, and my manor happens to be a one-and-a-half-bedroom apartment.
0: Yeah, that is a manor in New York City.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got a staircase. It's amazing. What? Uh, it's not amazing, but it's it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, and it either. has a painting of me.
0: You're in the Park Slope? Area. I am,
3: yeah, yeah. Do you like it? I do. I like Park Slope. It's very it's very nice. It's, it's uh, peaceful, but then also you can go and do stuff.
0: Now, you said you were in school. Um, are you from Massachusetts? I am.
3: I'm from outside Boston. I grew okay. up in Lexington, right. Mass. And then I went to Western Mass for school. Okay. And then moved back to Boston for a few years doing comedy do before remember, I came here.
0: Do you remember that moment of, I dig comedy, this is what I think I want to do? Like,
3: was there a- I mean, definitely the first time I did it. Well, I think also there's a while where, you know, again, like everybody majors in whatever they major in and then end up doing whatever they end up doing sort of. So it didn't seem any less practical to major in comedy than it did to, say, major in English or whatever or mm-hmm. history. Like it, it felt just as reasonable as any of those. <laughs> So I think that, you know, when I first graduated and when I did that, that, uh, when I did my final project at Hampshire, I sent press releases. I like didn't know what it meant totally, but I faxed from a computer and I like was like, I hope this works. I had like fax software on my whatever Apple 2C, I don't know what it is, (laughs) but like, and I faxed all the, like all the papers of all the colleges and then the one like the Hampshire Gazette or something in, in that area, like the big paper. And to my total surprise, the Hampshire Gazette like sent a reporter and a photographer to my show, which was uh, in the dining commons of Hampshire College uh, and full of people like it was it, it worked out. And then they did a story on it, and I just remember thinking, like, if you... So you can... I just was like, oh, my God, did you know that you can fax something from your computer and people will write about you? Like, that's... (laughs) Like, to me, I was like, who knew? I'm glad I tried that. (laughs) And so when I got to Boston, I used to constantly fax, like, the Boston Globe and the Boston Phoenix and radio stations. And sometimes... And eventually, I remember it, like, slowly started to work where, like, I would get into random columns or like they like they would start writing stuff for listing things and then sometimes I would send things that were like that were nonsense because I was like 23 or 24 and I was just like I'm doing a benefit for hands with Aerosmith and then people would just call <laughs> me and be like what are you talking about and I was like oh I don't know I thought it didn't matter what I said, they're like, no, you can't. We won't write that you're doing a benefit for Aerosmith four hands. That's not a real thing. And I was like, okay, good to know.
0: And they're from here. They might know.
3: Yeah. Yes, they would. But but a lot of what I did there was, so so in terms of like, I think I just did a lot of stuff very slowly where, you know, I used to hand out like a thousand flyers every day or every few days in Harvard Square for the comedy show that I was doing with friends. So you would just do this stuff. And I worked at an ice cream parlor and temp places. So I think when you're that age, you're just like, I don't know, I have a my rent's two hundred and sixty dollars and and you know, all I need is like a hundred twelve dollars a week <laughs> or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And so I think it's not until later that you would consider you'd be like, Wait a second, I can't live on a futon on the ground. What am I doing? Yeah. So in that sense, I think it was just this sort of very slow, very steady, reasonable build.
0: When you were a kid, was there a specific comic that turned you on to comedy or a style? There
3: was. I loved Emo Phillips. Um, uh, He was just like, especially when there was like all this stand up that was just sort of like, you know, broad relationshipy sort of felt like it was insincere there was emo and he was this sort of amazing joke writer with these weird jokes and this odd persona and i adored it then there was uh bobcat Goldthwaite, i loved his stuff steve martin um you know i used to just watch like all the young comedian specials and watch so much stand-up on tv and i just remember thinking i think probably when i was like i think probably like 15 16 starting to be like wait i think you can do like I think I was like, I want to be a director. Like, I didn't know what... I thought that was the job you would have or something if you wanted to make comedy or whatever. And then I think I was like, oh, wait, I think you can write. And then at some point I was like, wait, I think stand-up is a thing people do. And so I decided that I would try it and then just sort of kept trying it.
1: I heard this interview with Bobcat recently where he was talking about opening for Nirvana. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously it's kind of... That happens sort of more now, but that... It's so incredible to me
3: yeah he toured with nirvana for a while i mean but the truth is i think that sort of thing you know i think that that used to happen in like the 60s a lot i mean comedy clubs are really a thing of like sort of the late to mid 70s to like sort of the early 90s i mean in terms of their giganticness and being everywhere there's certainly some now but comedy used to happen a lot more in just sort of cabaret spaces or seated or, right? yeah well or just <clears> like there they'd be at wherever you would have shows like you know wherever you would just and and same with sort of after like as the collapse cuz there used to be like you know I know in Boston there were probably like 20 or 30 or who knows how many comedy clubs in the 80s and then you just can't sustain that now there's probably 3 or something four maybe um so yeah I forget what the question was, but yes. <laughs> Bob Kekkel's way did, in fact, tour with Nirvana. <laughs> but people used to do that, I think, and continue to.
1: Do you ever do, like, those more, like, go to the improv, like Eugene Merman for Five Nights, or do you prefer to do the more, like, you I
3: prefer to do, yeah, like, Bell House or something. I yeah. mean, you know, I will say that I did the improv in L.A., you know, a few months ago, and that was really, really fun. That was great. The thing about comedy clubs that's that I don't like is that you do, like, two shows Friday, Saturday. And for it's one thing to do sort of the same act, I think, like, on different days, But I think when you do it twice in a row, for me, it's, um, I don't know, there's, there's something where it just feels like that much less. It's already a lie. Like, stand-up comedy is already a really great lie. But when you do it twice in a row, you're like, I'm a double liar. <laughs> um, and it's also, like, you know, tiring where, like, in... You know, whatever it is, three or four days, you're doing six shows where you could just go to a place like Bell House or the Paradise and you would basically make two thirds of the money or so that you would in one show that you would from five shows. Right. So, I mean, the advantage of comedy clubs is that people who don't necessarily know you might be there. The disadvantage is also the same, where they would show up and be like, you're terrible and weird. And I'd be like, sorry, I was trying to, I'm trying, I think this is comedy. And some, some agree.
0: I, I saw you, the first time I saw you perform was at a very, very weird venue. And I can't even remember where it was. I think it was on 10th Street over in the East Village.
3: 11th Street, Rafifi?
0: No, it wasn't Rafifi. Oh. I know you did a lot of stuff there, but it was a... Uh, um, midnight Pajama Jam.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, with Benjamin and, and with Glazer. And
0: Glazer. And it was... <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it
3: probably was like, yeah, who knows what we did, but yeah.
0: Well, there were two people in the audience, and I was one of them. Yes. And it was on at midnight, and I think there was like some touristy folks there who bolted and leaving the two of us, but you guys did the whole show. It was a talk show format with John Benjamin as the host, and then Glazer came out as two puppets. Yeah. Um Itchy and Scott Fowlers, I think, were the yeah. names. And you were the guest.
3: Yeah. It I was
0: phenomenal. but the thing was, it was about ninety minutes, but it went and there it was me and this guy David. We were the only people in the crowd watching.
3: Right. There's a chance there were people in back, like meaning three. Like, okay, good. <laughs> like uh Yeah. But yes, that show was so fun to do. It was so great. Um but yeah, uh yeah, we used that's so funny. That was a great show that Benjamin and Glazer did and then you know, they would have random people do weird bits as guests.
0: I think you danced.
3: I easily might have danced. I might have <laughs> pretended to be in a band with Dick Cheney. I can't re- cannot <laughs> remember. Um, I can't remember the bits we used to do, but it was all just, like, weird, dumb things, and then we would just do it for 20 minutes. Is that is
0: that how you got involved with Delocated? With-
3: um, I mean, I think in general, the New York comedy scene is reasonably small, so, like, uh, I think when Glazer came up with... he asked me... I mean, he was just shooting this five-minute thing and then asked me to, you know, be in it and murder Paul Rudd in this, you know, short, short thing. And then when that... When it went forward and got picked up, he was like, do you want to be in this thing? Um, I forget exactly how I met Glazer, but certainly those shows. I think in general, you just... Like, Luna Lounge or also the show that Rafifi invite them up uh, that we did. I think that everybody would just do each other's shows and hang out um
0: seems a very inclusive group
3: yeah i mean i I think i think it is i think in general you know uh, there are so many i find the comedy scene in new york to be warm and that like i meaning like i think a lot of people think of comedy as competitive or something and i just i think that that's not accurate because i think if you uh make people laugh then everything's fine (laughs) Like, meaning, if you get on stage and make people laugh, people will ask you to make people laugh on stage. How did
0: how did your comedy festival start?
3: Um, as a joke, uh, <laughs> after a show at Union Hall, I forget what I forget what was in town, but there was some reason that I made a joke to Mike Berbigley and Julie Smith, who produces it um, and used to run that show. And I, I for some reason was like, I'm going to do the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival. And and then I was like, I'm really not going to do that because that would be crazy and uh, weird. And then they both laughed. We we're like, no, you have to do that. And so, and at first I was like, well, maybe it would be Eugene and someone else. And they're like, no, the funniest version of it is that you're doing your own comedy <laughs> festival. And so me and Julie and Caroline started, you know, figuring out the first one and Bell House was just opening. I think we were basically the first set of shows they did there. And then uh, you know, then we had a lot of fun and kept doing it basically. And now, you know, we did it in Seattle. I think we're going to do one. In, we're going to do it in Boston at the end of June. Um, we're going to do a Eugene Merman Comedy Festival, and you know, then we'll do one here. But again, it's like still you're talking about like two or three venues or two venues basically, and like uh, five shows or something. <laughs> but it is a really fun thing to do, and it's fun to do these ridiculous, you know, like we did a show called and i think that we'll probably do it in boston one of each where we had one of each type of like ethnicity or like representation like like one uh you know one person who's gay one person who's black one person who's jewish uh because there's so many festivals have so many shows that like ghettoize people and so we thought it'd be really funny to have a show that like ghettoized One of each type of person we could. United get. Colors
0: of Benetton. Yeah, festival. exactly. As a show.
3: <laughs> um, that's smart. Yes, yeah, so that's. So the festival started as a joke, and it, you know, and then like I think one year, I think the second year, Julie's now husband, I think, was like, you should do a pig roast. And I was like, I wonder if we can do that. Like, can you do that? Because it's right outside <laughs> Bell House. and it turns out yes. It turns out you totally can. So the first year we had a pig roast and then you, every year after that we would have different animals that we would roast <laughs> outside on the last night and then just give away the food uh, for free. It was really fun and a tradition that's continued.
0: That's so you had to pick out a new animal each year?
3: Yeah, one year, maybe two or three years ago we did a thing where uh, on Saturday we had a petting zoo and then the following night we cooked each one of those types of animals. So we had like, you know, ducks and goats and whatever it was at the... At the petting zoo, and then the next night we served like you know rabbit salad and whatever else. Ah, uh, so the people really you know felt close to their food. It was actually a it's a it was like pet petting zoo to table. I don't know how it. Uh, that the term proper term I is
0: know what you're eating and where. Yeah, was it fine.
3: wasn't the same act, literal like we didn't murder a petting zoo. That petting zoo gets to be wherever it is sad and weird. And uh <laughs> Tours, we we bought yeah, tour. exactly we got fresh, you know, humane animals uh from from some wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably meat hook I think it was.
1: you used to do um tell a story about this problem you had with an airline and you wrote yes. up these letters and i was wondering was there ever any kind of apology i wonder i was wondering i wanted some kind of closure
3: um yes well the, the airline was delta okay um no D- delta airlines i mean what i did is i wrote them a letter And then what I did to really try to get their attention is that I made up something like 20-something thousand postcards. And when I was, you know, I did this for probably the bit for like a year or so, but when I was touring with Concords in like, you know, probably four to 8,000 seat venues... I would hand out like a 1,000 or 2,000 cards or whatever. And so I'd handed out a lot of cards. I, I don't think necessarily tons got mailed, but I feel like several hundred did. And they were postcards where I wrote a thing from the point of view of a fan sending a letter to Delta Airlines telling them that they were horrible. And... um I never heard from Delta. They at some point did a comedy issue for Sky Miles and asked if they could interview me, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be where like they mention it." Right? And no, they just were just like, "How'd you get your start?" And then they were like, <laughs> uh, "You're a hot Twitterer." <laughs> I was like, "Great." Uh, so they never responded. They, I think, they were just like. It will be more news if they respond than or I don't know, or they I think actually they were just so gigantic it never reached them to be honest um on the other hand, Time Warner, who I took out a full page ad in the New York press and Greenpoint Gazette uh with an a letter to Time Warner, they absolutely responded on their official blog, and like I know that it like reached up to the top. Like that they had like a discussion of like, oh, there's a person and he took out, he bought an ad to tell us we're terrible, you know, and their response was like, we'll try to be better. They are, it's funny, uh, they're just, like I have like the, the whatever their box is, like their DVR, it just, my it works so badly, I don't know what to do, but there's no, um, there's no one else that I could get and I need, you know, certainly internet um, I'm just waiting for Verizon to come to where I am, but it's, they're so frustrating to use, but I am like, if I call them, they're like, they'll respond right away and be like, here's another broken thing. Is that helpful? And I'm like, sure. Um, you know, they, when, when they, I moved to Jersey, that was
0: half the reason I was like, there fi- there's files here. Yeah. We're, we're in sold.
3: Yeah. what well, they also did a thing where, uh, They used to charge me for like two, I don't know, wireless routers or something like that. And I called and I was like, I don't have, I have one, like I have only one. And they were like, okay, we'll take it off. And then like a few years later, I was like, I realized like it was still there and they were like, oh, okay, we'll give you your money back, but we can't give it all back because we can only refund up to, and I was just like, you people are just exhaustingly terrible. Like this was after the letter where they're like, we'll give you half your money back Um, I mean, it wasn't, it was just more that they're just so, just what a terrible company. Well, and
1: it's crazy that 2013, with the technology that we yeah. have at our fingertips, that that's like the gatekeeper. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah, I know. But I'm sure that soon they'll be defeated or we'll have broadband for free across this nation. That would be wonderful. Yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be something that. that I'm sure companies won't try to prevent you know, um, or charge you for. <laughs> so, anyway.
0: I remember when I was, when, living in california net zero came out and i was like oh yeah and it was literally nothing you know bought a disc you know it mm-hmm. would get for free you bought it you'd do what i did just take it from radio shack very quickly and then boom free internet you know it was slow as hell but it was free
3: it was, right like, right
0: being a broke dummy in my 20s i was like ah
3: yeah, exactly. Fucking the system. Yeah, I remember <clears throat> dialing up. That was a good time.
0: Yeah. I
1: have a friend who works for AOL and like every time I see her, I make a joke about like installation discs and she's like, "Dude, we haven't made those in 10 years. Like those jokes are so not funny."
3: But- uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they're probably they now are like a content thing. Yeah, they're like Huffington Post and like Yeah, they're, yeah. they 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 they've adapted. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're they're Netscape. They know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Netscape. I remember I was with EarthLink forever and then I found out that the guy who ran Earthlink is like this uh, like serious Scientologist. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those weird like, uh, America, religious freedom. Well, then I'm free to feel weird about that and not use their service.
3: Right. <laughs> but then- just so you know, you're about to get a call from the Scientology people <laughs> being like, we'd really rather you weren't disparaging about uh, our gods. <laughs> they will be coming. And now I'm going to get the same goddamn weird call. We just want to sit it- you down in a weird <laughs> glass box with holes in it and tell you secrets i guess i don't know a lot about their religion but i feel comfortable making fun of it yeah. i think that it's okay to make fun of religions if those religions are silly and that you know could be all any- of them however you however you interpret that i'm comfortable with
0: when you write a joke do you ever have that um feeling of uh
3: who is who will this offend will i get backlash from it um I think that it depends um when, no, not particularly I think it I think like on stage it's mostly whether it makes people laugh or not, and I find with me certain things like if what I say seems like a little too harsh in a particular way that people just like uh, don't laugh because it somehow grates against what they think of as my character or something. Mm-hmm um or meaning like or by personality or whatever it is but um uh yeah so so i don't know i don't necessarily go like oh i can't say that it'll offend people i think i would think like oh i that doesn't like i remember i think at some point there's a comic brian kiley having some sort of joke that he thought of that was really funny but his persona is so sweet that he was like i can't do this joke and like gave it to someone whose you know persona was much more edgy um So that's a thing.
0: Do you do a lot of international shows? Do you find the crowds super different?
3: I don't find them super different. I think there's just some things that, you know, definitely translate and others that don't. And and it's funny what those things are because they're often just something that you're conveying, like the emotional connection with whatever it is. Like I remember I used to have a joke about Jack in the Box, uh, like the whatever restaurant place, and it completely worked in the UK, even though they don't have that. And then I had another thing that was like about sort of I remember, like Democrats and Republicans and something. And like part of it totally worked, but then part of it didn't because they just had, uh, they didn't have the same kind of association emotionally. So I was just sort of surprised where I was like, clearly they know what that is. Our politics are everyone's politics. But weirdly, a joke about a restaurant they don't have completely connected while something else didn't. Um, But I find in general, the audiences are basically the same. There's sort of like an East Village everywhere. Like there's... (laughs) There's sort of like whoever it is that would go to whatever uh, are sort of the same in a lot of places. I
0: Heard recently that if you if comedians do a show in I want to say the UK that like heckling is more part of the show.
3: Heckling is, but it also depends. Like I did a run um, of like sort of the show that we would do at Union Hall. We did it maybe two years ago or so at the Soho Theater in London, and it was me, Kurt Braunohler, um, John Benjamin did a bunch of them. Nathan Fielder did stuff with him. And, uh, you know, there, at that show, people never really heckled. But in general, yeah, in the UK has a chattier... Uh, th- that's part of, like, the, the depending on the setting, that's part of sort of the, the tone of their comedy. Huh. Um, but sometimes you can be like, don't do that, <laughs> you know, and people won't, I think. But yeah, they're, they're, heckling here is often, like, drunk lunatics, and heckling there is sometimes reasonable.
1: How, like, how... How long will you kind of let it go before you're just like, I have to say something or I hope someone says something?
3: You would, I mean, it depends if it's someone actually heckling. Most heckling is really just people who are very drunk talking loudly. Right. And that you can sort of let, depending on how close they are to you, like if they're in the front, like, it it becomes, you, you can't think, like... If if you start talking right now, it will be hard for me to talk. You know what I mean. So 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 Try some it. heckling <laughs> is just drunk people having a conversation, is being like, "Richard said this weird thing to me. What do you think of that?" And it's like, uh, you have to stop talking about Richard right now. Um, sometimes it's people who are, I mean, it, so obviously sometimes it is people who want attention or whatever. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was when I did shows in Atlanta, there was a guy who got thrown out because he was. He was so drunk that he was mumbling, but he was also slouched. He was slouched in such a way it looked like he was uh, drunkenly telling secrets to his own dick. <laughs> like he was just like kind of loud enough that I could hear him. And then it was the it was really funny almost. But he had to be thrown out because he was loudly talking to his dick basically uh, from just the way he was slumped. Uh, but you can't perform because it's there's there's someone else talking loudly and and they don't know to stop because they're drunk and they either I mean I think it, at some point they think they're helpful but at another point they're just they don't even know what they're doing because um, they have a hard life and they started drinking at four <laughs> and then and then come eight thirty uh oh <laughs> you know so
0: notice that um back to the voiceover that Archer has been doing a number of live shows. Yeah, yeah, I, they have the talk about Bob's Burgers doing that.
3: Yeah, there is. We're going to do a West Coast tour oh. from I believe May sixth to the eleventh or twelfth, uh, sort of Portland to San Diego, or actually San Diego to Portland.
0: What's the thought process behind that? I mean, would you do you have to stick to script, or are you going to be allowed what? To some leeway? Or
3: well, the th- I mean, the way the show is going to work is that we're going to probably do. We did it. We've done a few of these at very, either festivals, or we did one like at a uh, in Madison. Um, and I think the way the show will work is that the uh, we're gonna the five of us are gonna do stand up, and then we're gonna read you know somewhere between a third to two thirds of a script, and then we'll probably do a short Q and A.
0: Okay.
3: Um. So with it
0: running behind, with, w- with the animation running behind. No, no, oh, no, no. When
3: you no, we'll just do a table read. We'll we'll where we'll read a script live, okay. and probably one that. Hasn't aired though. Though I don't know. I think that's being figured out. I think that because of the way it's happening, it's it's hard to figure out how we'll perform. You know, we have to have a script that's not that many extra people, um, or you know, to, to be able to just perform it because it's we can't bring out like people with three lines.
0: You said you record it when you do the show. You all have ISDN lines and you mm-hmm. have your headphones on all that. So Kevin Klein is a character on the show. Yeah, and Mr. is does he involve? Does he do that as well?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean when he's free he's certainly in the studio with us. Yeah. Uh sometimes he'll have to come in to record on his own, but mm. he definitely, yeah, he comes by. I mean, I think he's on it cuz he like uh, really liked home movies and likes uh, you know, a lot of the sort of New York comedy scene. That's and cool. Yeah, no, it's pretty awesome. Uh yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh yeah, he he comes in and records with us and then and then we'll be like How? like it was just I think the first time that he came in, he was just sort of like, "So, what do you guys do to get like, get into character?" And I was like, "I don't know. I think we just start. We're just this is us. Like, this is what we do." And then, because he's like a real actor with like training, and he can act like uh, and be different people, <laughs> and we're all basically, except for John Roberts, using our real voices. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yell more than I would in real life. Yeah, as you can tell, yeah. it would be funny if the whole time I was like, "I started in comedy." <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, wrap it up, Gene.
0: <laughs> well, even the voice in and, and Lucidara the Devil, you know.
3: Well, that was me screaming. Yes. I mean, but that was also developed. <laughs> I mean, but also the way this and that worked was Lauren first casting everybody and being like, I mean, the nun might have sounded like this. And then he's like, let's try other things. And I was like, how's
0: that? Yeah. And he's like,
3: perfect. That's a great nun. You're like, um, why
0: did I pick screaming again? I know.
3: And then you get tired. Yeah. And then you're like, I guess I have to scream everything. So that table read for Bob's, a yeah. little more yelly. Yeah, I'll tone it down on the yelling, maybe a little. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. It's just half yelling.
1: <laughs> what uh, What kind of music are you listening to right now? Because when Stephen said you were, when we booked you, I was like, I bet you, Eugene knows about some cool indie band in Brooklyn. I think like...
3: that's what everyone thinks, and that's what I would like everyone to think. <laughs> um... I just downloaded and I don't know the names of anything but I just downloaded because NPR had this thing of a hundred songs from South by Southwest mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I don't know the name of anything but I've been try- listening to that being like oh some of this is great um, I forget what I well I really love Yola Tango's new record um, Langhorne Slim who I toured with his new record is great um, there's probably lots of other stuff that I'm blanking on
0: It's a rough question. Yeah. Well, it's also like, I mean, also for me,
3: like I literally bought like Coney Island Baby by Lou Reed a few months ago and was like, this is great. So, you know, a lot of that, a lot of Rick Nelson. (laughs) But I feel like, I don't know, people, uh, maybe nobody here has Rick Nelson. Why don't you go get a nice Rick Nelson greatest hits record and start there and be like, oh, country, 50s country. This is a good time. 70s country.
1: When you're just kind of, like, commuting or whatever, do you most listen to music or podcasts or comedy? Uh, or...
3: All of it, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll sometimes listen to... Uh, it's kind of nice, because for me, like, some of it, like, is people I know. So, like, w- listening to, like, What the Fuck? Um, or uh, listening to, like, uh, You Made It Weird. You know, those are really kind of great, because they're just, like, charming conversations between... You know, sometimes people I don't know, but then sometimes people I know. And that's really nice. So I listen to those. Um, and then lots of music. And then often, like, just random, you know, like Phil Oaks or something. Like, I feel like yeah. I, you know, I listen to a lot of the music I liked in college. And then, you know, some music that I've found since. But a lot of it is random combinations of 80s and 90s alternative and like classic rock or whatever or then like discovering like oh what do you know i like merle haggard <laughs> so like i recently like bought a bunch of merle haggard cds but but i but i don't know that anyone in brooklyn like what are you listening to merle haggard <laughs> is that is that good
1: what was it like did you hear that you made it weird when john glazer was on at the sf sketch fest no that was a really interesting episode
3: i have not heard it should, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping they made it weird they made it so weird. Oh, good.
0: Yeah. That dude, I mean, just yeah. He, he'll go there and i love it.
3: Yeah. Him on yeah. Parks and Rec,
0: he's been killing me. It's just so perfect. Um, I'm going to rip off Jonah's question because I, I love doing it. The comedy versus music question because you're opening for bands. Yeah. So as a comedian, you're opening for someone who just want to hear the record. But if you're a comedian, people don't want to hear the record.
3: Right. You know? <laughs> yes, if you're that's what yeah. If you're a comedian, when you put out a record, you have to write a new hour to tour with. Yeah, and then for yeah, and then bands, they can play that record. And really, people don't even want to hear that record. They want to hear the records before and before mm-hmm. that. Everyone thinks they don't like the last record until the next record comes out, mm-hmm. and then they realize that they love the last record. Exactly. People are monsters. That's
0: <laughs> why I always liked Guided by Voices because they made their concerts work. Yeah, we're going to play our most recent record all the way through. Right. And then the hits. So if you want to hear them, better hang out.
3: Right, right. They also would put out, you know, seven records a year or whatever (laughs) they did.
0: Five last year. I I was like,
3: God, you did it again. Five records after after what they broke up four years ago.
1: (laughs) But then I'm sure people come up to you after shows and are like, oh, man, I wish you had done this bit off the record. And
3: like, I feel like it's hard to please. But I think that, no, mostly people want to hear. I mostly try to do stuff that I think people won't have heard. Right. Um, And then I will do a little bit like, you know, I just did a show in Toronto and I did probably a few jokes from my special, one thing from a thing before that and then mostly new stuff because on the other hand, you, you know, if you're in a city that you don't go to a lot, there's a good chance people maybe haven't heard it necessarily. But I try to make it like, you know, 80 to 90% new stuff. But people don't, uh, people rarely come up to comics and go, I wish you did a thing I already heard. They mostly will be like, especially when you do random shows in New York, sometimes people will be like, I saw you do that joke, you know, at this place. And then two weeks later at another place. And you're like, that is how you fix and write jokes. Like, Yeah, that's what I do. Um, But I'm not going to travel to another city (laughs) to to try seven minutes of kick ass comedy. Do you run into that problem that a lot of comedians are running
0: into now where you're trying stuff out with, uh, you know, everyone's got their... Pocket home studio phone machine?
3: Um, I think that people are reasonably uh, uh, kind and, and, and generally... I mean, if I see someone taping, I'll be like, uh, don't. Or I'll say, <laughs> like, uh, don't put it online. You know, like recently I did a bit with, like, people's friends on stage. And I was like, you can totally tape me with your friends. But just, like, don't put it on the internet. because So that, so that it can be a thing I can do in another place and no one will have seen it. I mean, that's mostly it. Most of it is... Uh, where you just want it to be new to an audience and for them to not have heard it. So Though st- I understand. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I don't mm-hmm. like it when obviously people tape me trying stuff out.
0: You're just hoping that the audience is doing the honor
3: system like school. Y- yeah, I mean, well, that's all you can. I mean, I mean, if you see someone holding a camera, I guess you can be like, please don't. Or you can say like, please don't put this online. Mm-hmm. But I think that most of the audience is coming to a lot of these sort of shows Kind of know that now I mean in most venues are like you're not Allowed to tape though clearly everyone's phone Is a recorder now
1: Is it cool if we put this conversation online
3: It would be funny if I was like Please do not share (laughs) I was not aware That you were going to share this with anyone Beyond your immediate friends and family (laughs) In your homes Um, Yeah I think people are basically Mostly nice about it But yeah some people are monsters Something will ruin your bits Those people
0: those bit ruiners if only only we didn't even need them yeah Uh, if only and we didn't i made that whole word up so there was something online yesterday Mm -hmm. so it must be true yeah at a a yeah 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 show they put up a sign saying please do not watch this show through a screen did you see that? yeah
3: i did see that yeah that seemed great and i think a lot of people were like yeah Mm -hmm. don't watch it through a screen cut it out yeah stop it just watch us yeah. Um, I think they were also like you can take pictures for the first you know what they what you would tell actually photographers coming to a thing where take pictures during the first three songs or the first ten minutes of a show and then uh, don't yeah. you know and yeah I think that that, uh, that makes sense I mean I think at comedy shows also you have different people coming on stage and people sometimes want photos of you know various people if you're a band playing for an hour and a half it's a little different um, but yeah
1: I think it's, like, a generational thing, too. Like, when I see people, like, holding up iPads at shows, I feel like, and I'm always like, man, I would never even, like, think that was an option of something I could do.
3: Well, you can now also, I mean, theoretically, I mean, it'd be one thing if someone wanted to, I get if you wanted to, like, record either someone's stand-up or uh, music or whatever. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, I would definitely bring, like, tape recorders and things and record concerts, but I would just listen to them. I wasn't, like burning cds and selling them <laughs> right uh or putting them on the internet and i think some artists don't mind it i think a lot of artists i think it's like you can't do a board like try not to make board recordings available mm-hmm. but you know feel free to record it and share it um i guess it just depends what you do or what what people do yeah a lot, i do um,
0: like that i know metallica was like that and, i mean the grateful dead kind of pioneered that with the whole yeah. tape they would know, you'd have this it was one specific area that you can put your mics up and you do your thing yeah yeah
3: I mean, uh, yeah, okay. I totally get why anyone would want to tape shows. And I certainly, when I was in college and stuff, taped shows to listen to. Um, I mean, also, there wasn't an internet where you could just, like, search for almost any band you like and find 50 concerts. Totally. Well, I you feel know?
1: like I'm a huge hypocrite when it comes to Because if someone holds up their phone in front of me, I get annoyed. But then I'll want to watch it later. And I'll totally yeah. watch their video and enjoy it. But when they're doing it, I'm like, oh, this person.
3: Like. Right, right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you don't want to look at a sea of people... But you can also audio record music, which is (laughs) which you could probably get a nice little mic for your iPhone, and uh, as long as you don't put it on the internet, I think, and you just quietly masturbate to (laughs) (laughs) your favorite comedy or music. I think it's nice. Do you
0: listen to music quietly masturbating?
3: I I, that's what I no, but it is what I recommend (laughs) or ask of uh, your listeners.
0: Comedy. (laughs) Put on put on
3: just like uh, their favorite Oaks record.
0: We need new business cards. That would work out, actually, in the back. Podcast to masturbate too. Yeah,
3: the podcast, yeah. To um, quietly masturbate too. Quietly. <laughs> so yeah. that there's just, like, a sort of elegance to it.
0: Not a, not a loud, angry... No. Yeah, some dignity. Exactly. <laughs> yes. The
3: dignify- yeah. Well, yeah, I also offer uh, awkward branding services. <laughs> if anybody is looking for that, if you want me to turn your company into a sort of weirdly sexual, slightly unnerving company, please call me. For (laughs) $85,000, that will turn your toothpaste.
0: How much of uh, Bob's Burgers is scripted? How much is um,
3: ad-libbed? A lot of it is scripted. And then when we're all together, we often then have a chance to do a bunch of improv. But also the writers in L.A. are, you know, at the same... Like, we'll do a few takes and then the writers will suggest alts for various things and then we'll also come up with alts for various things. And so it... uh, you know it's it's hard to say um but 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 we do get to play around a lot and then sometimes i'll only like you'll i'll watch a scene and be like oh that was like 70 percent scripted and then this other part we just totally went off and it's kind of neat to see that it's a
0: fun show man it's like it's like not since the simpsons has there been a show that's like that funny and touching
3: yeah they also the thing that's also pretty awesome is uh the writers have I mean a lot of it is we've come together where like the writers have very much started writing to us in certain ways where like I'll see a thing and be like I can't remember if that was improvised or written and then I'll be like oh my god that was written that was like written and the way like almost the idea that I would have come up with if I was just sort of improvising so it was kind of interesting seeing it all sort of work out and flow together
0: forgive me if I ask this before I can't remember but is Archer recorded the same way
3: no Archer is individual okay got it um, and then cut together. So Archer is also, I think, not improvised. I mean, Adam Reed mm-hmm. writes a super, super tight uh, script uh, that's super funny. Yeah. And, so you weren't in the room with John Hamm is what I'm getting at. Uh for oh for Archer, no, but for Bob's yes. Yeah. Like when we did when I did the thing where I fall in love with the toilet, mm-hmm. me and John recorded in a studio together. Um, that was really fun. God, that episode was um, hilarious. and then yeah, with, <coughs> with Archer, no. I mean you're just basically Adam is uh, you're wearing headphones on an ISDN line, and he's in Atlanta giving you feedback, and uh, you're reading lines, and he's just sort of giving you idea of how to do it.
1: Speaking of a kind of ISDN, like you talked about the faxing stuff in Boston, and then obviously Twitter has, mm-hmm. has been a big thing. I mean, do you like kind of embracing these kind of new forms of technology and kind of using them for comedy, or is it just like a natural thing? Or
3: Yeah, I mean, it... Uh Yeah. Each thing is sort of helpful. I mean, I, you know, I think before YouTube, I had lots of videos that I'd put up on my website. They were admittedly like one inch by one inch (laughs) because people were dialing up and I was like, it can't be more than a megabyte. (laughs) Uh, And so there are these weird tidy things. Uh, But yeah, I think that, I mean, it's funny to think that that at one, I mean, I was like handing out flyers and, you know, faxing places because that was the only way, you know, one of the things that helped invite them up, become more popular was when Friendster was invented and you could like post because before it was like you know sometimes you'd have like say David Cross was doing our show you know you could tell a few friends especially if it was like he was you know was going to do it that like you know agreed like four hours beforehand or something or said that he wanted to drop by but there was no way to tell people until Friendster and then you could post a bulletin and they could and then the word could actually spread um, if you had like somebody who would you know, people potentially wanted to see. But yeah, I used to just hand out flyers or fax, you know, weird newspapers and stuff or do radio, I guess. I mean, all that stuff is still helpful. I mean, my sort of opinion of any of that, especially if you were just starting out, would be that you should just do everything. You should do all the things you can do and then three of them or two of them might work out and then pick four new things and then try those and then just keep doing that until you're effective.
0: And now seems there's so much you can do to promote yourself that you could just do that. You know, like like it's like you're going to be promoting everything you're doing and not have enough time to do the work when you're doing the Twitter, the Tumblr, the Facebook.
3: Thing. Right. You ha- I mean, the very first thing you have to do is put on like a fun thing, yeah. you know, and and I think a lot of people do that. I mean, if you have like, you know, their Cabin, I think, is a show in the city that's really fun that a lot of people like and... Um, you know there, there's there's lots of shows that are very fun and people know about it and then you know after that you should promote it you shouldn't first promote a thing and then people get there and like this is very sad here
0: <laughs> but we had a lot of people a lot yeah. of hits
3: yeah a lot yeah exactly a lot of retweets on our sad thing I mean <laughs> I mean and also Twitter is like in, when I say for promotion I mean like you should mostly write if you're a comic mostly write jokes on Twitter and then occasionally list information or you know Tweet things about shows because I think you can't, like, you can't just all be, uh, you know, I don't know, deals on new records or whatever.
0: You probably get this question a lot. Do you then feel comfortable using the, the tweet joke in your act or do you feel like that's been seen and read? What do
3: you mean, like, being like, this is a joke from Twitter? Yeah,
0: like, or not, well, even more, like, like, like you wrote a joke, you put it on Twitter, it's 140 characters, it's a good line, and then you put it I in I find act. that
3: a lot of, I mean, for me, a lot of the stuff that works on Twitter isn't necessarily uh what works on um uh what's it called uh uh, stand up um so sorry uh well i was thinking about it because i when i when i originally was doing my theremin bit that was in the last special i i think at first i'd started it where i would read tweets and play the theremin um and i forget if i think that isn't i think eventually it was just sort of jokes um but no, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I mean, if it, if it happened to work on stage, I would be more than happy because Twitter is so disposable. I don't think anybody's going like, to look and go like, you know, I saw that you actually tweeted that in 2010 and I kind of feel cheated that you turned it into a wonderful anecdote. <laughs> um, but, but also so much of it is like of the moment where it's like, am I really going to tell a joke about Margaret Thatcher in four weeks? You know, I mean, maybe if it was a great, if it was really great, but not, you know, most of that stuff is sort of disposable.
0: Did you ever see that Theremin documentary?
3: Uh, s- no, some of it, but yeah. no. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen it's like a clips.
0: deceptive instrument. Yeah. People don't yeah. realize how old that, that it is.
3: Yeah, it's very old and very magic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Crazy.
3: Yeah, I hope that's what the documentary is called. Very old and very magic. <laughs> yeah. The Eugene Merman story. That'll be when I'm 92. <laughs>
0: For fans of Eugene Merman, you know him from Bob's Burgers. You know, also know his comedy. His uh, most recent record, "An Evening of Comedy in a Fake Underground Laboratory." He was on Archer, which is probably my favorite show oh, right now. I
1: Love Archer. I am not seeing Archer. I need to do it. You,
0: all the seasons are good. It's they're just genius. You'll love it. Put together well, recorded well. Just so so. Did you stuff. watch Risky Dingo? No.
2: Oh my god. No. You gotta seen, watch Risky. I mean, I've you seen run a out of. Archers, of them. Watch Risky Dingo because it's like. It's the same thing. I always yeah.
1: confuse Archer with that TV series with Ted Danson. Becker. Becker. Yeah, because <laughs> that completely makes sense. It's like you know how like sometimes your brain gets like crossed wires, and like one thing and another thing that aren't anything alike get confused. Nope.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe a, that's just me. That's <laughs> a fun world to be in. You know that show Becker about the secret agent? It's animated. <laughs> John Benjamin does the voice. Sure. You mean the what, show with Ted Danson? No, I'm pretty sure it's not <laughs> Ted Danson. What was
1: the plot of Becker? He worked at a he was always at a bar or something?
0: If you really must know.
1: <laughs> I do. I really I legitimately want to know. He now. was
0: he was a doctor who smoked, who was really angry. He was it was he was basically House but with a three-camera sitcom.
2: Okay, so who was which was the show where he was like at an airport in Alaska or somewhere was that Ted Danson or is that somebody else?
1: See, he has crossed wires too. <laughs> it's Are you not thinking just me. wings with Stephen
2: <laughs> Weber? Was that
1: like at a small airport? That yeah. was a yes.
0: sitcom. Yes. Yeah, but that was in Alaska. That was who in, was um, the star? I thought that it was in somebody... Nantucket.
1: Yeah, the star was um, Stephen Weber. Stephen Weber. Yeah. yeah. Who's Stephen Weber? Yeah. I exactly. But was really the other? On I thought the other. Oh, and what's his name was on it? Um, there was nobody from who's in Sideways. Uh, oh,
2: um... There was nobody from Cheers on that show? Nobody from Cheers on that show. My wires have Thomas all been crossed. Thomas
1: Hayden Church. Hayden Church.
2: You know when all there. your wires are completely crossed so that you actually can't make any connections
1: that are useful?
0: Yes. <laughs> Luckily, there's a website for you to go to. com. <laughs> Hit donate to hear more discussions about sitcoms versus animation.
1: Oh, and, uh, <laughs> if you get excited, you can leave a positive rating on our iTunes page. Oh, yeah. My friend Mike recently left one that was very nice. Oh, it's very cool. And, uh... Yeah, especially if you don't know us, that's even awesomer. Yeah, we, so, li-
0: we like the reviews if people who've never met us.
1: Yes, but oh. if you know us, that's cool too.
0: Don't discount the fact that we're friends.
1: Yeah, don't ever discount that.
0: And uh, what do we miss? Facebook? Oh yeah, Facebook. You can you can email us there. We don't do comments on the website. You all know why they're yucky, and don't be yucky. And if you are, sign your name. And oh, your that phone number. that can be
2: like our phrase, like Google, like don't be evil. We can be don't be yucky. Don't be yucky. Hi, this is going off track. Don't be yucky. <laughs> Yeah!